2: the crowd, the disciples, it was all about what Jesus was going to teach them. For the disciples, he's trying to teach them, here's how to become a Christian, here's what it looks like, learn it, live it, teach it, and if you do, then there's this interesting word in verse 3 through 12 called blessed. There's going to be blessings. In other words, Jesus says, get ready
0: to be blessed. When reading through the Sermon on the Mount, we come across several indications of blessings that are to follow each teaching. These, of course, are far from anything remotely similar to a prosperity gospel message. Rather, these teachings of Christ are an example of the transformations that take place in each individual who chooses to follow Christ... Today in our message, Pastor Mark teaches us about the blessings we experience when we become disciples of Christ. These blessings are none other than the fulfillment and satisfaction that only comes from God. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5 for his continuing study entitled... Get ready to be blessed.
1: We're
2: going to go through about four or five verses. That's all this morning. We'll go faster once we pick up these principles. I'm not sure how far I'll get, but I'll have to stop and explain along the way. Let's begin. Matthew 5, 1. When he saw the crowds, well, I have to stop there. Who is Jesus teaching? Well, what we know from the scripture is this. Because it's very important you understand this today. It says that Jesus saw the crowds and he went up to a mountainside. What's really happening is this. He calls his disciples. The disciples come to him. So what takes place is, just picture it. I just went up to this mountainside. And I sit down and I call Let's just go back 2,000 years ago, and I called the disciples to me. Quite often, a rabbi, when when they would talk to people, many times they would stand, but when they began to teach, they would sit. Here I am. The disciples were those that were really serious about following him. So Jesus began to teach them. But any place that Jesus went, uh, crowds followed. Now, in that crowd, what would you have? You'd have seekers. You'd have people who went, when's he going to do another miracle? By the way, he doesn't do any miracles in this teaching. You'd have skeptics, yeah, I heard about this guy. No way. Or you'd just have a friend dragging another friend along. And we know that he did focus on his disciples because they were the ones that were serious about being like him. But when you compare Matthew 5.1 with the end of chapter 7, the Bible says this. That the crowd at the end of this teaching, watch this, were amazed at his teaching. Because he taught with authority. So that means for those three days, it wasn't only the disciples that were getting it. The crowd was getting it. And I said this last week, let me remind you again. The crowd was getting it. They couldn't find a place to park. This church is too big. Jesus said, how many do we have here? Too many. See ya. No, he didn't do that. He just teaches. Now, what do we have in this room this morning? We have disciples. We have some of you that are very serious about being like Jesus. We have some of you that are seekers. You're kind of miserable in your life. You're looking for some answer, some meaning, some purpose. Somebody's invited you, heard about this place. You go, I want to check this place out. We have some skeptics here. This place is all about money. I know it is. wonder why he didn't push the offering. I'm going to push it right now, just for you. Ah uh, sure, let's take a second one. No, no. You see, this place is about God. By the way, all of our bookstore, we get this a lot. The bookstore profits and the cafeteria profits, they all go to missions. Yeah, there's a new thing out there called a scrumpuccino or something like that. You got to try one. Oh, it's, in- well, it's, it's good. <clears throat> but all the prophets go to missions. So you're skeptical. That's okay. Because at the end of Jesus' teaching, many of them became true followers. At the end of this service this morning, I won't do a formal altar call. But I'll challenge you that don't know God you know last night is very interesting I did the same and walked off and was finishing the service afterward and one of the elders came up to me and he said do you know that six men on their own from different parts of this congregation last night walked up and accepted Jesus Christ over here six men now why God spoke to them Miss Man may have been their first time may have been their 28th time see the power of God's word so we have the same teaching this morning So the crowd, the disciples, it was all about what Jesus was going to teach them. For the disciples, he's trying to teach them, here's how to become a Christian. Here's what it looks like. Learn it. Live it. Teach it. And if you do, then there's this interesting word in verse 3 through 12 called blessed. There's going to be blessings. In other words, Jesus says, get ready to be blessed. I want you to say this morning, "I'm ready to be blessed." Now wait a minute, because I learned from the first service when I had people say this: uh, "I'm ready to be blessed." <laughs> well, that's exciting. If I said I got a million dollars forever, one of you, "Hallelujah, man!" You guys would jump up and down like crazy. I got something better than that. So I want you to say, "I'm ready." I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready to be blessed. Here we go. Uh, ready to be blessed. Hallelujah! You are. You are, because God's teaching. God's teaching. It blesses us. Now, as he begins, what is that word in these Beatitudes? It's a Latin word that means blessed or happy, a state of happiness. What does that really mean? Here's the definition for you. When you see this word blessed in the Beatitudes, it can't be put into one word. It doesn't fit our language. So it means this. It's more than happy. It includes being satisfied. You could just word, write the words down. Satisfied, fulfilled, contented. It's this overall well sense of being, body, soul, and spirit. It's overall, this well sense of being that only comes from God. Now, the teaching that you're going to see isn't for unbelievers because they can't live this lifestyle without God. And yet, when they hear these demands... And they see the blessings. That's why those six guys came over last night. They went, I want to live like this. I want, to have the, I want to have a sense of well-being. How do you define well-being? You can't. It's just. It doesn't matter what the next phone call is. It doesn't matter what the next thing is. It doesn't matter what good, bad, well-being. I have a sense of well-being. Body, soul, and spirit. So an unbeliever can't, they can't respond to this message, this teaching, they can't. So I'm sure many of them finally became believers. So this is a joy that's not dependent on any circumstance, it's inward, blessed. Now amazing, it's, it's, it's repeated eight times, blessed, 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 why? For emphasis, you do this, you're blessed. You do this, you're blessed. And then he tells us what the blessing is. So that's why I said for you this morning get ready to be blessed because we're going to do just two of the eight today. Now, you say, well, is that the kind of God we have? Does God want to bless us? You sang it this morning. He's a good God, isn't he? He's a great God. He wants to bless us. He wants to bless you this morning. That's the kind of God we have. Now, This word, be attitude, someone has broken it down like this. Be attitudes. It's all about your attitude. You ever hear this? You go to work one day and say, don't go into that office. He or she's got an attitude today. (laughs) Huh? You've been there, haven't you? You don't want to go there. So, be attitudes. Be attitudes. It's a focus... In the heart. It's not external. It's in the heart. So it's all about my attitude. Charles Swindoll says this. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of an attitude on life. It is more important than the past. It's more important than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, and even what other people say or do. It's more important than appearance or giftedness or skill. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day of our lives regarding the attitude we embrace for that day. Let me ask you right now, what's your attitude this morning? How did you approach today? What, how has your attitude changed since you've got up? What will it be tonight? What will it be in a few moments as you wait to get out of this place in the parking lot? Just smile at another person, roll your window down and say, get ready to be blessed. It's going to be a 10-minute wait. (laughs) See, it's about our attitude. What about tomorrow morning? What will your attitude be at work? You see, Chuck Swindoll goes on, he says, we cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have. That stringed instrument is our attitude. Chuck Swindoll says this, I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. So these verses 3 to 12 are about B attitudes. If I'm going to be a Christian, I'm going to have this kind of an attitude, and then I'll be blessed because of it. Now, there's four kinds, four attitudes in these verses. Toward yourselves, toward sins, toward God, and toward the world. We'll pick those as we move. Now, it isn't this. You, you can't go, well, I'll take this number one, and I'll write number four, but I don't care for two and three, and I'll take number seven. No, it's not multiple choice. This is a package. We take them together. We begin in verse three. Blessed are the poor, period. Is that what your Bible says? Your period there? No, but here's what we we had this mentality. We used to many centuries ago. We don't have it so much anymore. Here's the mentality. Well, if I want to be godly, then I have to live this this, uh, life of poverty. I have to take a vow of poverty. Can't have anything. I have dirt floors, fan. If the roof's fine, fine's there. A little bit of rice. Because the less I have, the more godly I am. Well, Pastor Mark, this is what the verse says. No, this isn't what the verse said. So it isn't about... It isn't about money. This is an attitude. It said, blessed are the poor. Oh, well, what could that be about? It's about a spiritual attitude. So it's not about the poor. In fact, Jesus, remember, said, you'll always have the poor with you. Those of you that are saying, well, praise God, you're going to teach this prosperity doctrine, eh? Not out of your life. (laughs) Take your prosperity doctrine to India. See how far it works. Well, everybody's got to be blessed, have five million cars and whatever, and then that's the blessing of God. Right. I find those people quite often so spiritual that challenges my life. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So if I'm poor in spirit, the blessing is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? You can write this down. The poor in spirit are those who realize their own helplessness And total dependence on God. In other words, if I'm poor in spirit, I realize I don't, in the spiritual realm, I don't have really anything to offer God. That's what he's saying to his disciples. Now, remember, he's teaching these disciples. He's saying to them, you might have been terrific businessmen of the fishing industry. And that's good. Very successful. That's great. But we're now going to fish for men, And there's a spiritual aspect of this. And you have nothing to give me. But I'm going to teach you how you can be useful. You're going to have to give yourself to God. So you're going to have to be dependent, Jesus says, on me and what you're learning from me. We have to realize, if we're going to be poor in spirit, that without God's grace and without God's power, I'm morally and spiritually bankrupt. You see... I want you to get a picture in your mind. You're going to take, just take a moment to focus. I want you to think of this word over here. God reliance. I'm relying on God. Just, just over here is a God reliance. Everything I do in my life, John 15, without you I can do nothing. Now I can build a spaceship, I can do surgery, I can change the world, I can develop land, I can do all kinds of things. But in a spiritual realm without God, and as God helps me with his grace and power, I can't do anything. So God reliance. Now, over here, here's God-reliance. What, what's over here? Okay, now here's, here's, the, here's the contrast again. Here's the contrast immediately in our face. Self-reliance. Self-determination. Self-confidence. And self-esteem. So I have God-reliance in all this stuff about self. Now the one that has to win out is the God-reliance. If I'm going to be useful to God... I have to realize that I'm spiritually destitute. Is that the attitude you have this morning? See, it's about an attitude. I'm dependent on God. If God doesn't direct my life, he doesn't empower me. If he doesn't give me wisdom, then I have nothing to offer people. This morning, I have to be dependent on God. Now, here's here's the problem with that. Here's how some people think that reads. I'm dependent on God. Here's how a Christian acts. Hi, how are you? Who are you? Oh, I'm a Christian. That's wonderful. Do you have any talents? No, I don't have any. Are you useful to God? No, I'm not useful at all. Would you add two and two? I don't know what that is. But I'm a wonderful servant for God. You see, I'm relying on Him. Would you like to serve for us? I told you I can't add two and two. Do you enjoy being a Christian? Oh, it's wonderful being relying on God. That's not what I'm talking about. It's talking about using your gifts, but then saying this. If God doesn't empower me, nothing's happening here. Do you understand in your life what that means? What attitude do you have this morning? Well, I'm a business owner. I'm perfectly content to be self-reliant. Careful, it'll fold. You see, self-reliance is pride. You can't accomplish anything by pride. Only by God's power. And by God's strength. That's not a bad thing. I'm not wimpy. I use my gifts, but I rely on God. you understand at the end of this service, a Wednesday night's coming. Well, I have to teach usually on Wednesday night. So that's another 10, 20 hours teaching for the book of Isaiah. When I finished last Wednesday night, Thursday morning, the weekend's coming. I got to teach on this weekend. What am I going to teach, Pastor Marcus? No problem for you. you. Get self-reliant. Oh, I learned a long time ago. I'm not self-reliant. Now God's given me the gift of teaching. I have to study a lot. But unless God comes through, we're in trouble. And I really don't worry about it. Once in a while, I'll get you know. Well, i what in the world am I going? God says, just relax. So yesterday morning I'm in bed. My wife went off, and, and I'm, it's about 5:36, and I'm sitting there and. I've got my notes. I've already been studying like 20 hours, and I just wrote more things down and kind of whatever, and I'm ready. Because of me? No, because of him. Illustrations, the points, the things I need, same in your life. You see, if I'm self-reliant, we won't need new buildings. We won't need a parking cop. You know, the only reason we'll need a cop here is because to watch over an empty building because there won't be anybody here. You see, if I don't have what God wants you to hear, you're not coming to this place. You're only coming because you know you're going to hear what God's saying to you. And that's what you have to offer people in your life. So use your gifts, be humble, be open to saying, God, I need you. Now, well, this kind of, where do I really need him? Look at this verse, Psalm And this 1. the Lord builds a house, its builders labor in vain. Why do we have the divorce rate in the church equal to the divorce rate in the world? Because of this. The Christians, the quote Christians, are not relying on God's strength in their home. They're trying to build their home themselves. Now, that doesn't only fit for a home. That builds for this building right here. Thirteen years ago, we started with nobody. You know, we're just starting a new $3 million youth complex, getting ready to do another building over here, just getting ready to do the parking lot over here. And you say, man, you you guys are really self-reliant. No, we're not not self-reliant at all. We're relying on God. He gives us vision, opening. He provides the finances and all the other things, and we just build to minister to the needs of people. We just finished a wonderful audit by one of the big auditing firms in the, in the United States that does churches and whatever. We did it just, just to make sure everything was right and learn some other things and whatever, and it's squeaky clean, and they gave us beautiful. Why? Well, it's because we have people on the finance committee that can't add two in two weeks. Of no, they use their excellence, but we're relying on who? God. Ask yourself this morning, in your home, you relying on God? See, this is in smack contrast to the world. The world says, rely on God? I'm a self-made man. I have self-esteem. Listen to what A.W. Tozer says. If a person didn't know the secular world, how the secular world lived and what their values were, they would all they would have to do to read the beat is read the Beatitudes, turn them wrong side out and say, Here's your world. Let me give you an example of how that works. You see, we're so much around the world today that wrong is right and right is wrong. If I put this jacket on today, wrong side out, you can see it's wrong side out. I look like a weirdo, and by the way, that's not what I mean by Christian. Different. Oh, well, there goes a Christian. I can tell as a Christian. That's not what I mean by being different. But see, if I wear this long enough, and I'm in the world, this is a picture of the world. Pretty soon, everybody's wearing their coats like this, and wrong becomes right. And Jesus says, "You can't be like them." You can't be like them. He says, I want you to be different. Every beatitude is a contrast with the world. He says, I want you to be different in your attitude. Because an attitude affects the way you live, your character, and how you even look. How's your attitude this morning? Jesus goes on. Let me summarize it for you. He will say to his disciples later, everything that I do, I hear from God. So if you're going to be like me, you have to be directed by God. I don't do anything unless I hear from God. You say, well, Pastor Mark, like that like that's like weird then. A Christian guy, mm, what's God saying? By the way, God's been speaking to you since you came into the service. He has? Yes, this is how he speaks to you. It's a beatitude. It's how's your attitude. Now, first, beatitude. It's a godly attitude. What is it called? Poor in spirit. What does that mean? It means I'm humble, I realize that I'm nothing without God, and I'm dependent on
0: Him. Today in our study of the Sermon on the Mount, Pastor Mark reflected on the blessings that come from being a disciple of Christ. By committing to a life of servitude and discipleship, Pastor Mark taught us how we can each experience the very purpose of our being. In our study, we learned that the only source of purpose and fulfillment comes through fellowship with God. What greater blessing could there possibly be? Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the Radio Program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com, click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach us how we can make better application of the Beatitudes found in the Sermon on the Mount. In our study, we'll learn that one of the most common roadblocks in our Christian walk is self-reliance. Pastor Mark will teach us that the key to allowing God to better transform us comes through a humble spirit of relying on Him for direction, guidance, and hope. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.
1: in a hurry.